I'll explain now the um, usage and usefulness of this method which is a quite diversified with quite a number a quite a number of um, benefits from it the method is often called vipassana which is a misnomer because the word vipassana means insight and insight is our goal and not a method there are many methods for insight so we're going to call it sweeping but not to think of a broom then because that again would give a wrong assumption of what we're doing but it is called sweeping and what we've just done is quite naturally called part by part we will do it again another time with the the same method but with a different approach which will then have also a different or can have different results but this part by part is meant for insight and that's why it was by some people named that but the um, assumption then is that that is the inside method but that's not the way the Buddha taught it because he taught many different methods and many of them for insight but this one is very useful for many reasons all the emotions that we have or ever had have no other place to reside in except the body we've only got two things we've got mind and body mind includes emotions and so they've got to do something when we feel happy which is an emotion we might smile or laugh which is a physical reaction when we're tired we yawn one is an emotion and one is a physical reaction when we're sad we might cry when we're angry we'll frown when we're embarrassed we might get red in the face there's no end to those um, connections when we tense when we get tense our shoulders contract have very few people left in the western world that don't have some problem with their shoulders I presume anybody over 12 we have no other way in our makeup to react to our emotions except through our 
bodily reaction. And because we have emotion after emotion, even though we mightn't know it, we have reaction after reaction. And we can compare this to a person having lived in this room for the past 30 years and never having cleaned it up. The refuse is now up to the ceiling. All the food remnants, all the excrement, all the dirty clothes, all the dirty dishes, everything's up to the ceiling. And being used to living in that mess doesn't notice it very much. Because one can get used to practically anything. But then a friend comes around and says, what a mess, why don't you clean this up? And says, I'll clean a little corner for you. So this friend cleans up a little corner and our resident immediately notices that that little corner is far more comfortable and convenient. So he keeps cleaning it up until he can finally actually look out the windows and open them to get some fresh air. This house, this room, is the simile for the house we live in without being able to move during this lifetime, namely the body. We can change our flats, our apartments, our houses, even the countries we live in, dozens of times. But this house we live in and we can't change it. First of all, nobody else wants it. And secondly, it's just impossible to do. So this needs a cleanup. But what do we do with this cleanup? Every morning or every evening, we clean one sixteenth of an inch of skin. And that's it. That's what we clean. But nobody actually believes that they're only their skin. And yet, with soap and water, we can't get at anything else. So that's what we do, day in and day out, from birth to death. And then we're surprised why we have so many aches and pains and blockages, and why this body doesn't seem to do what we want it to do why we have to pay so much attention to it when it has this or that little or bigger ache. Some of it, of course, has other causes, but a lot of it has been put there by the emotions as tensions. And since we've never had any opportunity to clean up inside, just like this friend of ours who's been living in this room for 30 years and never cleaned up anything. We get used to it. That's the way it is. And we might even take aspirin for it and hope for the best. But aspirins being what they are, they have to be taken over and over again. So this very first opportunity in this particular method is an inner cleanup. 
purification. What the mind has put there, only the mind can take out. So because we put in something new every day, we need to clean up every day. We go to the bathroom and wash the skin of ours every day. And because we do that, we also think skin is terribly important. It's got to have a proper color and shape. It shouldn't be spotted or wrinkled or anything like that. But what is skin? It's the gift wrapping around the rest of the mess that's inside. And we really think that's important. So here we have a method where we can get at the inside. And one should do this at least once a day. Now it doesn't have to take as long as it just did. It was slightly over an hour. And you do it on your own. Half an hour will do if you can get through. Half an hour will be just fine. Three quarters of an hour will be maximum you will need. It takes much longer when I have to say it all. And after having said it, I also do it. And then it takes far longer than if you just do it on your own. One should do this. One can do it faster than half an hour once one is skilled at it. One should do this every day just for the simple reason of that purification because when the body feels less obstructed it has um, the mind has a much easier time meditating when the mind is well trained it can remove small illnesses because of the ability to let go Headaches, anybody can do. That's mild enough to be able to, for anyone to be able to do. Bigger illnesses depends on one's concentration. Aches and pains, which are just temporary, anyone can do. But that's not that we direct ourselves just to that but it's a side issue which arises. There are many others, many other issues which are more important even, but this one takes a place in the meditative process because, as you have noticed by now, the body does present a nuisance at times. It isn't exactly quite still and doesn't have any voice in the matter. If one is used to sitting like that, it is, of course, much easier. The second aspect of this practice, of this method, is a direct experience of impermanence. Now, anything that the teaching provides has to be directly and personally experienced in order to make any sort of impact. Whatever I say may sound quite interesting while I'm saying it, 
but it's meaningless once you get home. It's all still mine and not yours. But when you experience it, then it's yours. And when it's yours, then you can live it. So the direct experience is always taking pride of place. This method provides a direct experience of the first of the three characteristics of all that exists in permanence. If one wants to practice a path which goes to the depth of the truth, one has to experience impermanence and recognize what one experiences. It's a recognition, the awareness that counts. The more awareness there is in a person, the more they are awake, and the more they are awake, the more they can understand <coughs> what their own life actually means in the context of universality and what the universe actually means in the context of their own life. It means that we have the reference point from individuality to universality and back. Only then do we take an objective stand and don't have my problem. The objectivity which arises from that can only be caused through the direct experience of impermanence. As long as that is an intellectual understanding or even a no-no, which it is for most people, that, that long we have personal problems, mine, and of course personal belongings. Everything is very individual, and because it is so individual, it always turns into problems eventually because that what is so individual can never be totally fulfilling. Impermanence always has to be the direction that the mind can take when it wants to gain insight. Here the experience of it cannot be disregarded. We put our attention on one spot and have a sensation. The minute we take our attention off, that sensation has disappeared. In the beginning, if one is not skilled in this practice yet, one may go to the next spot and then experience the one before. But that doesn't mean that there isn't impermanence because the one before then disappears and the next one comes. It cannot be, the, the whole method cannot be practiced unless impermanence is experienced. Because if we stick to one point, we can't go through. And it all disappears constantly. And just like these sensations and feelings, emotions disappear constantly, so everything else disappears constantly. We just don't know it because we pay attention to the continuity of the reappearing. We don't pay attention to the disappearing. The Buddhist guidelines and his teaching shows us that we're practically all the time looking in the wrong direction. He said we want to make permanent what is so obviously impermanent and we consider 
that dukkha, what is so obviously sukha, and we consider that sukha what is so obviously dukkha. So he says that we're constantly looking the wrong way. And then we're disappointed and sad and feel that we're being shortchanged by life. It's only a change of direction of where we're looking. And having practiced a little bit, we can use that simile of the mountain. Having climbed just a few steps up that mountain, we do get a better view. So impermanence is built in to this practice. There's another aspect to that, namely that we learn from it that we only know where we put our attention. So if we would like to know constantly sad and bothering things, we all, we, all we have to do is put our attention on them. There are millions of those to be found in the world. But if we don't want to know only sad and bothering things, but would like to know that which is uplifting and elevating to our consciousness, all we have to do is put our attention on it. Which does not mean that we disguise truth. But what it does mean is that we use our mind in an elevating and uplifting sense rather than in a downgoing and depressing one. Wherever we put our attention, that's the sensation we can experience. Once we take the attention off, we can't experience it any longer. That holds true for everything that we do in daily life. The impermanence of the sensation and of the emotion, if it arises, <coughs> by taking our attention off it, helps us in a very significant way in daily life, namely, that we can see that we don't have to react to it. It arises and ceases. Like everything in this universe, including the universe, it arises and ceases. So why do we have to react? Our reactions are the bane of our lives. If we don't react, we just let it happen and wait for whatever it is to cease. Nothing has happened. It's all fine. Everything remains as it was. But every single reaction gets us into either warm or hot water. Very often into hot water. Totally unnecessary, which we learn through this practice. Here, we know, first of all, that if an emotion arises, one of this dislike, resistance, rejection, disinterest, anger, worry, fear, sadness, heaviness, burden, whatever it may be, it's nobody's fault. Nobody's done a thing. So we have a personal experience of this jack-in-the-box effect, that it's sitting inside. Nobody's put it there. It's there. And once we have a trigger, which doesn't even have to be words or thoughts, but can just be triggered by putting one's attention on any spot in the body, that 
little jack-in-the-box jumps out. And that will give us a personal experience that there's nobody to blame. And if we get that quite clear in our mind, that there's nobody to blame, we will never again blame another for what's happening with us. It makes the possibility of spiritual practice arise. As long as we blame others, we can't practice because others are just out there somewhere. Practice is within. So we have this opportunity here to recognize the fact that whatever arises, arises from within and not from without. And because it does, and because we can't do this method unless we let go and go to the next spot, we haven't got time to react. So there may have been something arising like resistance or rejection. Now, if we actually start resisting and projection, rejecting, there's no way we can do the method. We'll just sit there resisting and projecting. And if that becomes clear in our mind, we will know what to do when these emotions arise in daily life. If we feel this arising, let's say a resistance, and we start resisting, that's where we're stuck. We're stuck resisting. Or if we feel irritation arising and we become irritated and angry, well, that's where we're stuck then. Instead of taking the understanding that comes from this method with us and recognizing the fact that whatever arises ceases again. All I have to do is take my mind off it and it's gone. There's no need to get angry, irritated, resisting, rejecting. All I'm doing is hurting myself. I may be hurting others in the process, but the one who gets hurt most is myself. I'm doing myself a great disservice. So when the irritation arises, it could be when it arises here in the practice, we have no, in this method, we have no other way of dealing with it except to let go. That's why I said many times, let go, go to the next spot. We can't go to the next spot until we have let go of the first thing that has happened in the previous spot. And this is exactly what we can do in daily life. And we will see that any negative emotion which arises is only because we want something else than what we've got. We don't want it the way it is. If we could start flowing with whatever is happening, none, no such things would ever occur. We just flow with whatever is going on. All our resistances and rejections only serve to deepen the ruts of negativity that we have already made, which we can minimize and eliminate through doing this method as I've already explained. So we have this possibility here of realizing that there's nobody to blame. It's all sitting inside and jumping out when it's just slightly touched. And which is easy to remember if you remember the jack-in-the-box effect. 
And the other thing we know is that it's impermanent, it doesn't stay, and we don't have to keep our mind on it. We have to, not, we don't have to really be irritated. We really don't have to become that which has arisen. We can let go. The more often we do this method, the easier it is to let go. The whole of spiritual practice is letting go. It's the one key point. There's no other key point to be found. Letting go, not trying to get something. Whatever we're trying to get only makes more dukkha arise. Because what it is, whatever it is that we're trying to get, is obvious that what we have isn't sufficient. And so we have all sorts of justified rejections and resistances. If we can change anything other than ourselves, because we have the skill to do that, we can do that very well without resistance and rejection. We can change. We have to change ourselves without rejection. Because if we are concerned with rejection, with blame, with dislike, that's what we're concerned with. We can't do anything about change. It's either this or that. Either we change or we reject. We can't do both. So once we have the understanding that what is happening within us is arising and ceasing, we don't have to follow it up through our own reactions. It's just happening and we can purify over and over again, then taking that into daily life makes the whole flow of life smooth. This method is the second phase of mindfulness. Now I've told you there are four. First one, body. Fourth one, content of thought. Second one, feeling. Now feeling is sensation and emotion. So this method could be, if it was properly named, called Vedananupasana, which means mindfulness of feeling. But we'll call it sweeping because that has been already been established as a name for it. Mindfulness of feeling is a very important aspect of our lives because we may be under the impression that we live according to our thoughts but that's not so we live according to our feelings because all our thoughts also produce feelings and while we may be totally unaware of them of those feelings, which is not so uncommon, they still direct our lives. So it is, of course, extremely important to be aware of them. Because only when we are aware of the feelings will we be able to make any changes. Otherwise, we will stay with wanting that what we haven't got and wanting to get rid of that which we have. Not all of it, but some of it. So we're constantly sitting on that seesaw. 
piece of which makes life extremely complicated and uncomfortable. Imagine sitting on a seesaw and it goes all the way up and you have to hang on for dear life so you don't fall fall off. And then it comes down and it hits bottom. So it gives you quite a jolt. And then it goes up again. Constant movement. No peace. Why isn't there any peace in the world? There have been 83 wars since the Second World War. I just read that in the Reader's Digest. Interesting, isn't it? 83 wars in less years, of course, than that. What's it been? 56 years. 83 wars. Wonderful. Why isn't there any peace? Because nobody's got any. Whatever we've got, that's what's around us. And since there's five billion people that haven't got any peace in their minds and in their hearts, so we haven't got any peace. Everybody thinks it's everybody else's fault. Why are they shooting? Because they haven't got any peace, that's why. And we might not be shooting with guns, but sometimes we're shooting with words, with actions, with eyes, all sorts of things. It's all possible to do, isn't it? It's all been done. It always will be done. So we have this opportunity here to become aware of our feelings, which includes our emotions and our sensations. Now, basically, there are only three kinds of feelings. Pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. That's all there is. And we've got to learn that one day. Because if we don't, we'll keep on reacting. Now the neutral ones are the ones that escape us. Because we don't have enough mindfulness. And besides, they're not unpleasant. So we're not really worried about it. So we're constantly concerned with pleasant and unpleasant feelings. And obviously we want the one and want to get rid of the other. And this is what the whole of humanity is on about. Getting the pleasant ones and getting rid of the unpleasant ones. But it's a foregone conclusion that nobody's ever managed that through the worldly endeavor because they are equally distributed. And so we're always going to have both. And our reactions to those are that about the unpleasant feelings we get angry, irritated, rejecting, resisting, in the end start shooting. And about the pleasant ones we get greedy, we'd like to have them again and keep them. Impossible. Nothing is kept. Everything arises and ceases. And having them again, sure, we can do that, especially in a fairly wealthy society there's all sorts of opportunities for getting pleasant feelings through our sense contact. But the problem is we have to renew them all the time. Over and over. So life becomes as it is. Usually busy and stressful because we have to get those pleasant feelings, we think. that we have to get them. 
So with those pleasant and unpleasant ones that we have constantly at our disposal, we have our emotions then, which are the reaction to those two feelings. The emotions of anger in one way, in one kind, for the unpleasant, and the emotion of maybe passion or uh, attachment or affection with the pleasant ones. Now, with this method, we have an opportunity to see that in this objective manner so that we can finally get a hang of what it really means to be a human being. It's very interesting what it means, but very few people ever really get behind the facade. This is the mask, the role we play. We all have a role to play. We're either male or female, young or old, rich or poor, stupid or intelligent, beautiful or ugly, mother, father, son, daughter, um, intelligent. We have all sorts of roles. Lawyers, doctors, secretaries, farmers, that's me. A huge conglomeration of things that one needs to be and live up to. But that's the outer facade. The inner person is something entirely different. And this method makes it possible to see what happens in our lives all the time. It's like a pre-programmed printout. It happens over and over. The same buttons are being pressed and the same printout appears. And only when we see that will we become sick and tired of it one day because it's boring. It never leads us anywhere. It goes around in circles. Where can we possibly go in the world? The all our little planet is all round. There's nowhere to go. And the only direction we have is from birth to death. So what's there to do? Well, instead of trying to go outward somewhere, to go inward and find out what's going on in there. And there is a very interesting thing going on which we can first grasp and then one day stop. Here, with this method, we have that opportunity to, first of all, become aware of the objectivity that we can direct towards any sensation or emotion. We don't have to see it as something that has any kind of sting to it or charge to it. It's just either pleasant or unpleasant. And let's say there's a pain in the right knee. So we dislike it intensely and want to get rid of it. So we've got to move. And so we're concerned and occupied with this pain in the right knee. But what has actually happened? What's actually happened has been a sense contact, touch contact, with the knee on the pillow or on the other leg. And from every sense contact comes a feeling. This one happens to be unpleasant. 
So from that comes the labeling. The labeling, which is the perception, and seeing we speak English and uh, know what this is called, we call it pain. And then comes the reaction, which says, I don't like it. Very uncomfortable. Takes much too long. Should have sat on a chair. Meditation is not for me. I'd like to go home. Why? Because there's been a sense contact with an unpleasant sensation. That's all. Unpleasant feeling. Then the mind has all sorts of reactions to that. So with that, when we pay attention to that sensation, objectively, we can learn that. And as we learn that, we do not have to be thrown into the turmoil of wanting with passion and resisting with anger. We can just see it. Which means that we're learning through personal experience equanimity, which is something while we'll talk about tonight. It's one of the factors of enlightenment when it is fully developed. And equanimity is the crown jewel of all emotion. Because emotion does not necessarily mean passion. Emotion means any kind of feeling which isn't physical sensation. So when we can get to know ourselves a little more objectively and see what happens, we get to know this pre-programmed printout sense contact, feeling, perception, reaction, over and over and over, day in and day out, moment after moment. But from this we can take our mind off it and go to the next spot. And we don't have to react. We may or may not. But at least we will have an entry into knowing what actually moves us. It's not that the world moves us. It's not that our intelligence moves us. If that were so, we would have seen this long ago. It's our reaction to our feelings that moves us. And that reaction is very often unwholesome when it's negative and equally unwholesome when it's passionate. Both lead one into difficulty. So we have this opportunity, this real attention to what's happening within us. And this progression needs to be practiced also outside of meditation but I will explain that also at another time because it is a very important part also of recognizing oneself properly but here in this method it's the best opportunity to see it objectively and then there's another very important part to this method and that's recognizing the four primary elements 
Now, what I've just said about the reaction are the four parts of mind. And the Buddha explained that that's all there is. Sense contact, feeling, perception, mental formation or reaction, those four. And we will go into that in more detail. But it is necessary to recognize what is happening in this method so that we know that we are reacting to just unpleasant feelings or pleasant ones. But now we also have the four primary elements which constitute our body. And this is very easily felt in this method. Namely, the hardness is the earth element. Everything that's hard in us, like the bones and the flesh and anything that has substance, that's the earth element. The temperature is the fire element. Then there's the water element, which is, of course, anything that's liquid. But also, the water element is the binding element. If you have flour and you put water into it, you get dough. We have 78% water in us. Why? Because otherwise, all our cells would walk around separately. It would be much easier to see the non-self, but we'd look mighty funny. So we've got lots of water to bind us together. Everywhere that is like that, it is like that. And then we have the wind or air element. And that's of course breath. So with the earth element as the first one, the solidity, the hardness, which we feel in the body, can be felt on the pillow, exactly the same. There's no difference between the touch sensation, whether you feel it on the pillow or on your buttocks. Both are hard. So what we can do with these elements is first of all recognize them within us, and I've mentioned hard or soft, warm or cool, uh, wet or dry and moving or still, because all elements also have an activity in them. So with the earth elements, the hardness can be felt in that what we sit on, and we can extend that outside of ourselves, the floor, the walls, the earth outside, the trees, the bushes, flowers. Everywhere is earth element. Now, earth element also exists in water and air. If there wasn't any earth element in the water, the fish couldn't swim in it. The boat couldn't go over it. We couldn't swim in it. If there wasn't any earth element in the air, the uh, birds couldn't fly in it. Neither could the airplane. There is solidity in everything. All elements exist in the other elements. So with the under the experience of the hardness within oneself, we can extend that outside of ourselves. And this is what I mentioned earlier, that this is a method of losing one's isolation and separation and 
getting a feel for the fact that we are all part of one existence that there is no separate individuality that there is a mind which can become enlightened and mostly doesn't and that there is body which is the same as every other body and for that matter mind the same as every other mind only some try harder that's all sounds like an ad for a car rental (laughs) (laughs) when that earth element becomes clear in oneself one knows that all that exists everywhere we can check it out through thinking wise consideration or actually going out there and checking it out ourselves that is all has that in it now the same applies to the fire element which is the temperature we can feel warmth or coolness within us mostly the body temperature is warm we can touch anything around us and feel a temperature everyone has every piece everything has a temperature the sun has the temperature and warms the earth the sun has a temperature and warms the flowers and the trees and the bushes and when the sun goes away it becomes cooler everything becomes cooler out there it becomes cooler we become cooler we start putting stuff on so that we remain at a temperature which we can handle but everything has temperature in it now temperature the fire element has the quality of destruction if it wasn't for the fire in exact proportion to the way it belongs it's the most um, proliferated element that we have and we've got it as we know from school that we have it we don't pay attention to it though we think we are a solid body and we're surprised when we are not and die we are nowhere near solid we just think we are we have all sorts of thought processes which take us into byways of and uh, dead end streets of uh, wrong ways of looking at reality and then we have the air element of without which we can't live if we don't take air into our lungs we die very quickly it's the wind in the body it's also movement if we see the wind outside we can see only movement we don't see wind we see movement it's the movement that the wind provides it's also the movement of growth so movement is everywhere now if we do this method and pay attention to that and actually do relate to all other people and all nature around us we will find that some of that separation will disappear and some of this preference that we have for certain people and for certain bits of nature 
that also will not be so strong because we can see it's all one it's all one and the same the elements are here the elements are there it's a very important aspect of this method because we can say to ourselves a hundred or a thousand times we're all one sounds great doesn't it it can be found in all esoteric magazines but who feels it it's always again and again me and the rest of the world but if we practice this method in that way we have a personal experience of it it's real the solidity of the sitting just sitting here is the same as the solidity of this it's a real experience without the real experience no change has to be one's own experience so with the elements as part of this practice we have also the impermanence of all sensations and emotions we have the non-reaction we don't have to react we can see that everything is pre-programmed if we don't take a stab at it and stop it we don't have to respond to the same buttons in exactly the same way all the time and the buttons that are being pressed are a sense contact and what is being printed out are the resulting feelings to which we respond and once we see that this is not necessary because we can take our mind of it we have taken a big step into understanding what makes a human being and the potential of a human being we're all using a very small percentage of our potential we have the potential of full enlightenment being totally clear totally without any dukkha a boon to all that come in contact we all have that potential every one of us the Buddha taught for 45 years every single day of his life and he taught ordinary people like ourselves if they didn't have the potential to become enlightened he would have been wasting his time highly unlikely they were very ordinary just like we are and he taught them all the things and more of what I'm talking about he taught for 45 years this is a nine day course so obviously it's not possible to say it all but there are certain things which are the essence so we all have this enormous potential for the good of ourselves and the good of mankind because the enlightenment principle does not vanish the enlightenment principle is always there and the more it's supported through the enlightenment of a human mind the more of it is available so whatever we do once we have seen that there is no separation that there is nothing that we own personally except the results of our own karma all that we do we do either 
for the well-being or the detriment of all because it is one existence that comes about through noticing the and working with the four primary elements which are strictly physical there are others there are two others which are on the mental level but I don't want to go into them now I want to just stick with those four primary elements on the physical level because they are far more easily uh, noticed and we can work with them in the way I've described so our impermanence experience helps us also not to react and to see how we usually do and to become more objective to stand back and look and all of that helps us then also to come into a feeling of not being so much just one me but having that interconnection the other part of it which I've explained is the purification aspect which is also very important and should be done every day (coughs) now there are some practical issues first of all this method does help the concentration so anyone who is still completely at sea with watching the breath can use strictly this one there's no need to use the breath if one can concentrate better on this method methods are methods by any name they are not the meditation yet but we've got to find a method so that we can get into meditation meditation is full concentration methods are leading us there so this method can be used exclusively if it brings better concentration it can be used alternatively one session this method one session the breath if one doesn't like this method you can be sure it's the most important thing to do (laughs) because it goes inside and it brings up and can bring up unknown depths that we didn't know about ourselves to the surface where they can finally be let go as I said one can do it faster no need to go do it that slow those who are concentrated on the breath should use this at least once a day like taking a shower you don't have to remember whether it's right or left first you start at the top and go down to the bottom I always use the left side first so that I don't get mixed up that's all there's no other uh, significance to that so you just go from the top just like you take a shower in, in, the, in the shower you wash your body you go from top to bottom that's all 
if you miss out a, a, a spot, don't worry, you'll catch it next time. You don't stand in the shower in the morning and think, have I washed the right back last spot above my waist or haven't I? I mean, you just wash, that's all. And that's what you do with this. If there are large areas missing, there's a certain way to do that. I'll just say it generally now. If you have a large area that you can't get in touch with, and particularly the chest, this area here, who couldn't get in touch with the chest? It's very common that one can't get in touch with the chest. Then you do it in strips. You start at the left shoulder and you take a strip, let's say two inches wide, and you go from the shoulder down to the waist. And up again and down again. And up and down. In other words, four times. Twice down and twice up. And then you go to the next strip. Go over to the next strip. And do it again. Well, it doesn't matter exactly, but two inches wide, going down and up and down and up. And the next and having done that once like that, it's probably much easier then to get in touch with it. The reason it becomes difficult to get in touch with the chest area is because we as assume that this is where our emotions are. And it's quite true that we usually do feel as if they come from there. And sometimes people have not wanted to get in touch with their emotions and sometimes they have got in touch and they weren't very pleasant they close it up again but it's very important to get in touch with it has anyone felt like um, is a barrier in the chest area like a piece of cardboard or a piece of uh, or even harder than that anybody felt anything like that cardboard or, or cement or what more like protection a hardness a hardness right um when you get to that hardness, make quite sure that you know you're there and use the mind as if it was a chisel and chisel away at it with the mind and see whether after you've done that, after that, having done that, that you can get to it um, and feel something. And if not, you have to do it again. Okay? And try that. There are many different ways of doing it, but that's one of them. Okay? Did anyone not have any sensation at the beginning, at the top of the head, at the very first spot? Nothing. Where did you have the first sensation? Well, in fact, to, to be honest, I'm very, very confused. Very few. Um, anywhere mm-hmm. what what area would you say would have been the, the strongest sensation that you became aware of unpleasant one no doubt hmm? uh, yeah. hmm. um, that's so the chest nothing well, try, as I said, with the, with the strips, okay? If you don't get any sensations, 
um, you may have to do the following can you feel the shirt on your chest right now okay can you feel the shirt on your back okay can you feel the glasses on your nose okay you'll have to start with such sensations go through the body as the, this up here you won't have touch sensation so you have to do the best you can but as soon as you get to your glasses you will have touch sensation when you close your lids can you feel the touch of the eyelids on the eye can you feel the lips on top of each other okay you go through the body from start at the top but if you don't feel anything there never mind and go through touch sensation just as I'm explaining now on the face all the touch sensations for instance the tongue against the roof of the mouth you can feel that no? okay go through all the touch sensations and as you go to the body you go to the touch sensation of your clothes on the body okay and go all the way through with that with touch and then of course you come to the sitting which is touch everywhere to touch and as you've done that once then the next time see whether you can get to the sensation on the skin without being attentive to the touch it's probably it's very important that if you can't feel anything that you do it okay so start with touch and see and see that the next time it might be without okay use all the touch sensations like your hands on top of each other or the hands on the knees everything has there's touch okay Anyone else that didn't have on the top of the head anything? Okay. Where was your first sensation? Mouth. Inside? Outside. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Next time you do it on your own, you go to that where you had your first sensation, which was easy to get to, and then go from the mouth up to the top of the head and out and again do five or six times from there where you have a sensation slowly up 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 to the top and out and then start again at the top in other words you're activating it it will it will be quite all right after you've done that okay and you can get it at the beginning sometimes it's a little difficult to recognize what what's supposed to be there but after you've done it a while, then you know. I mean, there's nothing supposed to be there that isn't there anyway. Without going through? Just what? Mentally, touch the past. Yeah, well, that's what we're doing. But actually, touch. And it's part of your feeling. And it's the emotion of your hands. Right. Yes. But you mean touch with your hands? With feeling. Yes. Could one forget that the person actually touches the past? mentally presses a part instead of touching it pressing it is that what you say 
because I said you go with your attention from spot to spot so your attention is on the spot and instead of just being there you want to give it a more emphasis is that what you mean? Well I have, I have no difficulty in putting my attention Well, imagining that you're <coughs> pressing that spot. Um, pressing it, you mean instead of just touching, pressing, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's the only way I can understand it. I mean, we're, we're touching it with our attention, each spot, right? So, uh, what you're suggesting is not just the touch, but uh, um, trying to push I don't know that that's a good idea I don't think it's a I don't think that's a good idea because it would be more like a forceful thing and it's not necessary yeah. but uh, for me for me the word pressing doesn't mean much I mean it means that you want to do a heavier thing is it no Um, stroking it uh, it's all imaginings are not so um, ideal but if there's no sensation it's better than not having a sensation so uh, uh, stroking it would be better yes because it's not forceful yes it would be better yes Yes, I know. And I think intellectually I find it very hard because I get really thinking about all the spots I was missing out. Yes, well, you do it the other way. Look at all the spots that you're touching, okay? <laughs> Just change it. Change it over. And if you find it hard to do, do it a few times. Okay? Right. It doesn't matter. You can go in a line down, or you can go in a line around, or you can go in a in a bigger spot. The main thing is what, like a bangle. Yes. Anything. As the main thing is the awareness of the sensation or feeling, whichever way that is produced. It. The way it is, it is uh, best done is just to put one's attention on each spot and keep going. You can either go around or you can go down. But as was just suggested, if you can't get a sensation as if you're stroking it or as if you're using a bangle, all right. These are all um, aids to um, doing it. I, I wouldn't suggest um, anything stronger than that. Right. Uh, spots about the size of a large coin. You try to. You try to. Try to. Um, 
if it in the beginning is difficult to get um, the awareness of a sensation, one might have to stay a little longer on each spot. And what is suggested there is that it's as if one touches a hot plate with an asbestos glove on. It takes a while till the heat comes through the asbestos glove. The asbestos glove, of course, in our mind. So what we do is we stay a little longer on the spot and then if the sensation still doesn't uh, come to the awareness, we go to the next one. It doesn't matter that much. If you miss a few spots, that too doesn't matter. But a large coin, something like that, and whether you go across or down doesn't matter either. It's, um, the main thing is to become aware of the <coughs> whole thing. Eventually, after having done it a few times, it becomes quite easy. No, that's fine. That's fine. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and you still have that dull ache in the hymn? Now? Uh, a bit of it. A bit of it. Okay. Go to the spot where it is and come out with it through the ear. And do that five or six times. Just go with it. Go take it take the dull ache, go to it and go down and out. And five or six times. And I think that should do it. See if you if you can manage that. Okay? And do it right now. If you can do it right now. Yes. So is the getting rid of the you know, the things that are manifesting in our skin or on our body, is it getting rid of it ultimately through the fingers and the toes like right? mm. this? Or is it the letting go each time? Letting go each time. But since there's no other spot to go to when you come to the tip of the fingers and the toes, you have to go out. There's nowhere else to go. It's a letting go each time. Yes. Now when you do it on your own, you do that, okay? Um, because you've done it before. And so you're skilled at it already. And that's fine. That's fine. Uh, did somebody have to visualize that part of the body that we were at in order to get to it? No vision. Yes? Okay. Did you only have the visual or did you get the feeling also? Of course. Oh yes, of course. But there were some parts where um, I had trouble getting the sensation, which 
visualizing. Okay, if, if you have trouble with a part and you visualize it, then visualize it and then get the sensation. The visualization is an aid, it's a help, but it's not a substitute. Because we can stand in front of a mirror, and there we are, and we see it visually, but nothing happens. So the visualization is an aid, but no, no substitution. Did you get the visual and the feeling? No, you said visual, didn't you? Did you get the visual and the feeling? No, no feeling. Ah, well, stop the visual then, because that's taking your attention too much. Do it again. I want everybody to do it on their own after the rest period to get a hang of it. And then don't visualize. Just go to the body and if you have trouble do what I said about touch your clothing your lips your eyelids your hands on the knees the buttocks on the feet and don't visualize if you only visualize and don't get the feeling then the visualization becomes the stronger and it's not what we're after as I said we can be in front of a mirror and see the whole thing we don't have to do meditation for that so try it without, huh? Yes. You didn't know whether you were right or left. Oh, I I didn't uh, specify the spine separately because the mm-hmm. spine itself is another method also in this in this method and takes another hour so (laughs) that would have been a bit much so what you do is when you go to the back you just include it on both sides you include it on the right side with the whatever and you include it on the left side just go with it keep it included with it okay yes oh what will I entitle that cassette um the uh, sweeping technique Uh, today yes one is the actual going through the body and the other one is what I have been explaining about now Uh, that will be the explanation then called the explanation is that love? Well, it would be nice if it were, but uh, <laughs> no, it's letting go. It's letting go because during the time of going through the body, you always have another spot which you can go to, so you can let go of the previous one. But when you get to the tip, you have nowhere to go, so you go out, so you can let go of whatever is there. So you keep letting go. Some people actually feel that very strongly, that letting go. Some people find it impossible. Does anybody find impossible to let go at the fingertips or toes? Anybody have that difficulty? No. Okay, that's fine. Hmm? Yes. Well, the trouble with lying down is that uh, usually you'll find out why that isn't so useful when you wake up again. <laughs> <laughs> 
it is very nice in the evening when you actually lie in bed anyway and uh, do it then once more and fall asleep on it, that's fine. But as a meditation practice, in order to get the results and benefits that I have outlined, it's uh, important to sit, yes. And it, it doesn't have to take that long. No, it was longer than what you would need. If you do find a lot of emotion anyway, um, by letting go, obviously, is that sufficient? Is that purifying in itself? Or is it simply just letting it go and leaving the knot there? It is uh, purifying, uh, yes, but it may arise again. It may be very deeply ingrained. It may not be the first time that it, we can let go of it. So we might might come again. Yes, it's possible. Uh, did anybody feel nauseated? No. Okay. It also happens sometimes. When it does happen, it's very good because it means that one has carried out a huge load of rubbish all at once <laughs> which was stored into this uh, house that we live in when you do it on your own uh, after the rest period and it does go very slow and the bell goes before you're finished then quickly go out through the fingers or the toes wherever you're ne nearer so that it's sort of like a, a completeness don't stop somewhere in the middle just quickly go out to make it complete. Uh, it shouldn't take any longer than three-quarter hour, but in the beginning, when one hasn't done it very often yet, it may. Um, you can stay a little longer on each spot that you don't feel, but don't stay a long, long time, because then it's become very tedious when you don't keep going. Um, and those that have large areas that they don't feel like back or front, please use the strip that I uh, explained if that helps. Everything quite clear on that matter? Did anyone have emotion rather than sensation that came up? That's a pity. Yeah, I didn't much, I have a When you came to the leg, which is uh, not quite in order, that's yeah. in, right. Um, as you do this more often, it may uh, have a very helpful effect. It's uh, a lot of our troubles, physical troubles, are due to attention, a lot of them. And uh, that tension, of course, has to translate somehow. What can it else can it do? You, you can feel it sometimes, even when you sit down to meditate and you're not relaxing. The body tenses up. And when the body tenses up, it feels uncomfortable. And even more so, of course, if there's something wrong somewhere. So we, it is, can be very helpful to let go. It can be useful in that respect. It's, um, it's extremely helpful to become aware not only of sensations but also of emotions 
But even though we may not become aware of them, the um, purification takes place anyway. So it can be a very relieving and releasing um, result from this method. Sometimes after having gone through the body and thereby also the mind does feel somewhat not, not so much lighter but some, somewhat less dense and that's a very good result there's a less density in the, in the body is everybody quite clear on what to do when they're doing it alone after the, the rest quite clear no question 